Hello, Film Files. We're back again for another episode. That means we haven't gotten canceled yet, which is pretty great. Yes. I thought we weren't going to last past episode one. Oh, yeah. Security keeps unlocking the door, so we're going to keep making these episodes. This is WAZU 90.7. I'm Jimmy Malone. I'm Stuart Randolph. I'm Ben Snowden. And it's Tuesday at the top of the hour. It's time for Movie Show Theater. In a world where movies are everywhere, these heroes will make sense of some of the world's strongest films. Jimmy, Ben, and Stuart. This is Movie Show Theater. Well, this week was Stu's choice, so I'll hand over the mic to Stu, and he can tell us why he picked his film. (gasps) Spirited Away. Spirited Away. It is outstanding. I could watch this movie. It it could be on a never-ending loop somewhere in my home, and it would never get old for me. I I just... It's beautiful. It's, It's singularly one of the greatest animated films that I've ever seen. Ever, 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 ever. And I just, I just love it. I love the characters. I love the theme. I love the, uh, I, I love the animation. It's just gorgeous. I love the the mix of the animation and the music. There are some points in it that it is so poignant that it brings me to tears. I just love it. I, I usually don't get into animated films very much, but I really looked forward to having time to watch this again today. Because I'd watched it earlier in the week, too. Yeah. There I, you go. I wasn't really quite sure what to expect. I'm about as unbiased as it gets when it comes to um, this sort of animation. And last week I called it anime. I stand corrected. Thank uh, you very much. Yeah. And I really appreciate how Miyazaki hates that word. And, he and does. It, and it makes sense because, you know, the whole, uh, like, the way that Westerners view Japanese animation, we lump it into one category because we're dumb and mispronounce things. Absolutely. And, you know, this film, Miyazaki, like, he he had a hand in every single aspect of this film, from the models to the storyboards to the editing, and it was like, you know, just truly his dream child. This is his masterpiece. Oh, yeah. It is truly his masterpiece. And, and... Oh, I just, I, it gives me chills every time I hear the opening music for this. this The music okay. is phenomenal. Yes. Well, everything is. Oh, geez, yeah. I, I just like the fact that he had this vision in his mind, and obviously he had help, but it's so vivid. Everything from the character design to the way the water flows in the bathhouse, just everything from top to bottom, you know, when Haku turns into a dragon, it's not like you're viewing this as something cheesy and over the top, which some anime, they just throw things in there, I think, to throw things in there. Everything connects. So it's one of those deals where, you know, if you look at Western animation, yeah, Pixar has animated films that can be enjoyed by adults, but... This seems to me even more mature than most of their films. Mm-hmm. I saw it oh, kind of as geez, a maturation yeah. well, coming of age film. Well, mm-hmm. no, you know what happened was this: is that they they brought it to Pixar and they were just like, "We want your we want your assistance to bring this to the American public." And uh, Studio Ghibli 
did just that and uh and it not only translated into the American public but it was embraced wholeheartedly by the American public. This is this is one of those stories that is truly just not just a coming of age story for somebody, but it is just a such a a beautiful whimsical it, it it speaks of honest truths of of life i i believe and it and it's a yes it is a a love conquers all sort of story but it's a love conquers all sort of story in a world that is just mystical and magical and so wonderful and i just love the characters and oh it i when Lynn and I saw this for the first time, Lynn, my wife, and I, when we saw this for the first time, our children were very small. My son was only three. My daughter was, well, shoot, just born. She was only one. And so we were sitting around watching this film, and, and yeah, we did watch it on video to begin with. I never saw this in the theater, which is a great disappointment to me, but it just wasn't around at the time. It just wasn't widely publicized or, or distributed, but... We watched this film for the first time not long after our children were that age, one and three, and people were like, how could you let them watch that? It's anime, it's got witchcraft, and blah, 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 and this, that, and the other, and I'm like, you have no idea what you're talking about. The same people who thought Harry Potter was exactly. an instrument of the devil. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You have no there idea witches what you're in that movie. About. You have no idea what you're talking about. You need to go back and watch the movie. You need to go back and understand the fact that yeah, there's some witchcraft in it. There's some magic in it, but it's more the magic is a of a whimsical type of magic. It's not like it's a cult. No, it's not mean-hearted or mean-spirited in any way shape or form. And and when I would use this in my classroom as a um, a film study cuz I I did this as a pure film study for my students. I'm like Okay, we're going to look at the protagonist. We're going to look at the antagonist. We're going to look at the theme. We're going to look at the plot. We're going to look at every all those all those things that true literature teachers say. We're going to look at. They were always like, "Is this the that movie about the horse?" <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "No, no, no horses. No, no. You need no. It's it is Japanese animation. It has Japanese animated themes." But it is not, as Jimmy brought up earlier, it, it is not anime. It is pure animation, and it is pure beauty in the animation. And and I just, oh, I just can't go on enough about it. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll let others talk about it. Every every time they introduced a new character, I thought, certainly the next character can't be as cute as this one. Oh. And then they went to the next just, one, the glass slug that she steps on at the very end. Oh my yep. gosh! And the voices were pretty incredible. Oh I, yeah. One of the things I liked too was the transition from the real world into the spiritual world, mm-hmm. and how seamless it was. Because, you know, you have Chihiro and her parents, and they're moving from one town to the next one. And uh, by the way, kudos to the very vivid portrayal of the Audi A4. I thought that. Oh was very, yeah, that was very no, impressive. Right, right. Like, that was it? real life yeah. animation. So they stumble upon, you know, they go through like this wooded area. They stumble upon this passage of sorts. They get out, and Jiro wants no part of it. And her parents are like, "Come on, come on!" And they think it's a. Um, it's an abandoned. It's an abandoned music park. Yeah, yeah. It's what they thought. So the parents yeah. sit down and eat, and there's no one really cooking the food. And then these, uh, you, you're introduced to Haku on the bridge, and uh, these lamps light up, and it's getting dark. And he says, "Get out of here!" And 
everything moves in a logical manner. Like I really loved the silhouette style spirits oh that gosh. kind of popped up. Were they not just gorgeous? It was incredible. Yeah, and it's it, that's the thing too. Like <sighs> if if people weren't familiar with this style, they might just see a screen capture of that and say, "Oh, well, this movie's spooky." And like you said, Stu. Oh, I'm not going to let my kids watch this, but there's nothing really intimidating about no, it. It's it, it's no, not it's meant beautiful. to be, you know, scary at all. Yeah, I'm sure some religious groups would read far too much into it, like they did with Star Wars and or every movie. Every movie. Oh yeah, yeah. But um, I also really liked how the character names were what they are. Like Yubaba, uh, the translation is witch. Oh, truly, yeah. And Kamaji, the translation is old man worker. That, you know, exactly, and there's yeah. so many fun little. I mean, yes, it's it's for it's for children, but so incredibly enjoyable. I mean, I I've always had a fascination with, um, uh, for lack of a better term, I'll just call them like alternate reality movies, like in the tradition of you know Peter Pan or Alice in Wonderland or a lot of um, you know like Labyrinth or. Uh, oh, this is very similar to those sorts of films. But this Absolutely. is so much. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of the imagery in this movie uh, made me think about early Neil Gaiman. Like the uh, oh. bouncing green heads, I know. love the, the I love the green heads. Yeah, the ones that oh, those are so much fun. They're just such a random, whimsical character, and they serve no purpose for the story other than you look at those things and you're like, "What are they?" They're like and Martian why? communists or yeah. something. Like, like with the facial hair and the baldness, I thought they looked like old school uh, Russian slash Soviet weightlifters. You know, <laughs> yeah, with yeah, the, yeah, like lifting anvils. Are you having a bully reap, day? Reap, <laughs> reap, 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 and all they do is make that. Reap. Right. And yeah. then get then they uh, are conglomerated into the new well, version of the baby. Which yeah, the is, new version of the baby, which is hilarious. Which, if no one has seen the film, that made no sense. But that's why yeah. you have to watch it. You know, oh, some of the stuff geez, we're probably going to say over it's the not course of make the next, any sense. Probably what make fifty minutes. Sense. It's not going to make any movie. sense to you. But if you've seen it, you'll be like, yeah, that was a really awesome. Okay, part. Yubaba and Zaniba are twins, and let's just say this: Zaniba's got a mean streak in her. Even though she's the quote unquote good witch, all right, Zaniba's got this mean streak in her, and Yubaba's, oh, geez, Louise, a she's got a, well, she is a profiteer. She's got a wart in the middle of their forehead that's <laughs> the size of most of the other characters' bodies. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just the most unbelievable fixture on any sort of face at all. And the nose, the whole thing, the ridges on the nose, it's just. You can't avoid it. It's just right there. And 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 the fact that she has this enormous baby and it's not just a baby, it's an enormous baby. It's a giant you, baby. Yeah. You, you, I was a little creeped out by the baby. You got to wonder a little bit about the baby. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't some of these of these objects, you know, we're describing three disembodied heads that bounce around. You might think, well, certainly I'm not going to let my kids watch it, but when you see it, it's available on YouTube for free by the way. Um You'll you'll see that the the love and the um, just the style that went into it. It's not it's not scary. It's a little disturbing. This baby is is like fifteen feet tall and is has a. a it's very not wearing well a diaper. Voice. It's just the wearing a smock. A, the baby's a germaphobe as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because uh, Chihiro kind of stumbles into the baby's den, and the baby is is scared of her germs. Yeah. That's... <laughs> Don't make me cry again. I did. I I I, I watched. If you don't play dubs. with me, I'll break your arm. 
Usually with foreign films, I'll sit and read the subtitles. With right. this movie, I thought, let's just do the English dub. Oh, yeah. No, the English because subtitles. Because I wanted to, t- oh, I wanted to put all of my focus great. onto the visuals. Oh, the English dub is brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant because they brought in some great voice actors for it. Just outstanding voice actors. And Miyazaki has used them repeatedly in his films mm-hmm. all throughout. Howl's Moving Castle and Kiki's Delivery Service. and Because and, um, this was his eighth film. It right? was, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, well, uh, Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind. I mean, he just keeps bringing these same voice actors back. Mm-hmm. So It really made me proud of America that we were able to recognize this and give it best picture or best animated And feature. it made, well, I mean, before it came to the States, it made tons oh, yeah. of money. Oh, no kidding, right? Was it like U.S. equivalent $200 million before it came oh, to yeah, the United absolutely. States? Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And I think after that point, yeah, it I think it was like, like 300,000 some yen. 100 million after yeah. it had come to the States combined with Japan. So it and was it, in the... Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 please. I was just going to say it was in the 93 um, 75th Academy Awards, and it won uh, Best Animated Feature over Ice Age, Lilo mm-hmm. and Stitch, uh, St- uh, Spirit, Stallion of the Cimarron, which... That's why people get it so confused with Spirit, because Spirited Away, Spirit, and they think, and is this about a horse? Yeah. yeah, well, the other one was about a horse, so... And Treasure Planet, which we can all easily forget about. Uh, yeah. There's at least one usually in the I, – I, I'm not calling it a lesser category, less celebrated category, like and which is sad. It's kind of like with the Grammys too how a lot of times certain categories are like glossed over or you hear the music come on like five seconds after the winner is right. you know into his or her speech. And I feel that's how they you know have treated the animated feature yeah. award. Well, I'm a lot glad of that, times, yeah. I'm glad that you mentioned that too because it was over and I thought it's, movie it's kind of inspiring issue. because I get so excited. Every year I print out uh, ballots for me and Anna and we have – uh, contest, we fill them out, and sure. uh, <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> and we get super excited about it. And there's certain categories that we just kind of fill in. Yeah, that's that. I like the sound of that. That sounds like it's gonna. That's gonna win based purely on the name and no background on the film. But um, you know, this this film was was such a gem, and I'd never seen this movie. I'd never seen this before, and uh, I love the. It, Stu was kind of touching on it with a, a Baba. What was it? Was you Baba. You Baba. You Baba, yeah. When the Japanese ghosts all came in and like took form and they had these incredibly exaggerated features. Oh, geez, yes. You know, like some and, of them had the dragon's oh, yes. heads that you would see uh, like during parades. Well, think about it. Who who were these who were these spirits that were coming to this bathhouse? Cuz that's what it was. It was a bathhouse for the spirits. Who were they? Were they Regular customers? Were these the workers? What were they? And and you really do get a strong sense of the culture. Because these were not just regular run-of-the-mill, you know, patrons. These were, these were true spirits. These were the heart of some of the culture that were coming in. And they were seeking out this, this holiday or this retreat from their own reality. Now you think to yourself... What in the world would a spirit need a bathhouse for? Well, there was a perfect example. Not, you know, 40 minutes into the film, there's an example where there's a quote-unquote stink spirit that shows up. That was nuts. Was that That not one of the coolest scenes in the entire film where this stink spirit shows up? You Baba knew what was up, though. 
Well, like, it doesn't Yubaba, seem quite like a stink Yubaba spirit. Yubaba figured mm-hmm. it out, but it was Chihiro or Sen, our, our little little hero, the entire time, who who truly figures it out and and helps this this spirit. Now, did you guys understand what that spirit ended up being? The river spirit. The, it was a river spirit, polluted river, and it came to this bathhouse to be cleansed of its pollution. And that's what that's what Chihiro discovered when it discovered the quote when she discovered the the thorn in its side, which was the 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 bicycle handle, mm-hmm. which you then know, turned into other then junk, turned like into when they yeah, pulled it out. Was... It was just this mountains of junk that came spilling out of the spirit side, mm-hmm. and it was just that it was a it was a pure river spirit who was in need of cleansing, and and Chihiro figured it out. And and made a ton of money for the bathhouse, and it was just gorgeous. It was just, it was an environmental sort of thing. It was a political sort of thing. It was just a, a great thing for that particular character at the time. And oh, that was just cool. That is a very strong theme throughout the film too. The environmental, absolutely. Theme. Like even when they when uh, Chihiro and her parents go through that tunnel, you know the shot opens to the fields and the father comments oh they were trying to build a river here and even like from that point on there are just these recurring themes of rivers and water water huge Mm -hmm. huge part in which symbolically even going back to literature uh, water is viewed as you know a a cleansing element a restarting refreshing rebirth Rebirth, element Mm -hmm. which um when when those spirits came across on the boat and I don't even know why I thought of this. I was kind of thinking back to, you know, Greek mythology, like the uh, River Levy, and yeah. how if you drank from the waters, you would forget, and how so many of those spirits who were at least working at the bathhouse had completely forgotten who they were. Well, that was pa- that was part that of was the magic of Yubaba, though. Yeah, that was part of names, her literally, stealing is... their names and keeping them captive. Another and... great scene. And again, yeah, I mean, that's what happens to Chihiro. She becomes Sen uh, eventually and and basically becomes a slave of the bathhouse in order to find her parents. And over time, she encounters these characters who you think, well, surely these characters are not going to give a rat's monkey butt about her at all. But it ends up she runs into no truly evil characters, even the... Even the one character you might think might be evil ends up being just this, well, he's more confused than evil. And I'm talking about No-Face, you know. Yeah. And, and No-Face, you know, all along tries to help Chihiro and tries to give her assistance. And every single time that he does that, Chihiro's like, no, 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 I got it. It's okay. I, all I need is X, Y, Z. I don't want any more. And, and when we see he does harm... This was the great part. The only time that he did any harm to anybody is when they accepted not just his full help, but beyond what they needed. Mounds of gold. Mounds of gold or or whatever it was. And then he – now, I don't know. What did you guys think? Did he take did, – did No-Face take on the identity of those that he would eat or was that part of who he was originally? Mm, I don't think he took on the identities. I mean, they – you had mentioned the water as an overlapping theme. I liked I liked that they touched on greed several times. I mean, obviously with the parents, and they even mentioned the parents turned into pigs because they couldn't stop eating. But So no faces. I thought he was kind of trying to 
weed out greed mongers, and I kind of felt like he was looking for something specifically. Maybe not Chihiro, but I don't know. I don't. I don't think he took on on the form of people. Well, that he well ate. no. Well, thought, think, think about it though. After he swallowed the frog to begin with, I thought he was corrupted by the. I guess you could say uh, more greedy of the bathhouse inhabitants because he was well, he was they, he was yeah. almost like a silent character. I mean, he like when we he first encounter him, he, he, he doesn't say anything, but then he's just kind of hanging out in the bathhouse, even though he's not supposed to be there per Yubaba. But he sees what happens when the river spirit rewards the people with gold. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, this is how I can, you know, I can make, make friends, friends, so right, to speak. Yeah. So that's the only way he knows. And he's he seems to be corrupted by that, whereas before he was just kind of like a blank slate wandering around. And then he takes on this, you know, amorphous giant form. And it's almost, you know, that's probably the, the most... Uh, horror-related thing in the film is the as form that he, he takes. As he eats more, as he consumes, he is the epitome of consuming at this point. He eats the frog character and takes on the frog's voice. Who is adorable. Okay. Karate frog. Oh, my Karate gosh. frog is hilarious. When but he runs he... down the hallway, right. oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Are you kidding me? But he eats the frog takes on the frog's identity, I truly believe his voice, then he eats the others as they go along, and each time he takes aspects of each one of their personalities and continues to consume. And he doesn't just consume, he consumes to an excess. Mm -hmm. He just eats and eats and eats, and nothing he does fills this blank space that's inside of him. He, it, it's truly a beautiful metaphor for, I think, for a lot of people in society. It just nothing that they do will ever fill up that blank hole that's inside of them. And he eats more and more and more. And then he's this pure and innocent young girl, Sen, arrives and and wants nothing from him except for to help her parents. Nothing. I mean, he offers her handfuls of gold, and she says, no, thank you. He offers her handfuls of these bath tokens in order to help the river spirit. And she was like, I just need one, but no, thank you. And and again and again and again, this spoiled brat little girl who we meet to begin with absolutely reaffirms our faith in not only humanity, but just, just everything and continues to push it away until finally... When she makes the ultimate sacrifice and says, I need to help you, the river spirit gave me what appears to be medicine I was going to save from my parents. I'm going to give this to you. Mm-hmm. And then an epic barfarama ensues. Muck, muck everywhere. It was just yeah. gorgeous. It was awesome the way it played out. It I was mean, gorgeous. it was like everything that he had consumed, everything that this creature had taken into itself, including the people who you thought were dead at that point, comes spilling out of him. And it's just, just the most ludicrous and hilarious series of events yeah. that leads to this. And and you're thinking to yourself, there's no way this could get weirder. 
And then it does. It just gets weirder and Now weirder that and is weirder. an esophagus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think my favorite part besides that line of the sequence was when uh, Yubaba delivers like the Ryu fireball. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. To no face. And then he just uh, he projectile just... vomits muck onto her and she's just left. She's just standing there yeah. just plastered in it. Yeah. One of my favorite lines comes from no face when he has just gotten done throwing up. And he's like, Excuse me. And that's all he says was, excuse me. <laughs> and he just walks on. Yeah. And it was just brilliant. It was perfect comedic timing. Perfect comedic timing. So this is Movie Show Theater on 90.7 WAZU. We're talking about the 2001 film, Spirited Away, uh, which won so many awards. It really did. So many words all over the world. But it was it's really interesting how much effort they put into, you know, we're breaking it down and we're talking about the actual, you know, content of the film and motifs and themes and pretty pretty heavy issues, but they're able to, you know, work at such a pace where it's still whimsical, it's still fun to watch, it's even funny at times, you know. And oh, a, kid, a lot of the film is just hilarious. When, I like the little soot oh, creatures. I thought those the were what, the, oh, the, the soot creatures balls, yeah. were hilarious. You know, oh, that brought her her clothes. Like you go, like going into that scene. You know, she's going to the boiler room, and you expect something horrific. And Kamaji is just this weird-looking old man with a bushy mustache and almost sunglasses He's with six spider. arms and two He's legs. A spider. He's, He's got pretty much eight spider, arms. or like Goro with two more arms, but more humane. And you expect him to, you know, throw her into the boiler or something. But it's just like, oh. The these, you know, cartoonish, cute little soot creatures come out with these chunks of coal, and uh, Chihiro's just like, excuse me, oh, sorry, sorry, oh, let's go, pardon me. <laughs> yeah. And he turns out to be a good guy, too. He, oh. uh, when when Lynn comes in, Lynn is, uh, she also seems to be a human he was, who was lost at one point, and she seems to be stern, and I guess she's supposed to be kind of like uh, Chihiro's mentor before she turns into sin if that makes sense uh kamaji's just like oh she's my he's eating his, and he's like yeah she's, she's, my, she's granddaughter. my granddaughter oh, she's <laughs> my granddaughter is that your nixon i am not a crook i am not a crook she's my granddaughter <laughs> no kamaji is one of those characters where you look at him and he's like he's obviously the heart of the operation he, without him none of the none of the bathhouse would run but not just is he, is he the heart of the operation, he also has a heart, which is brilliant and gorgeous. He recognizes the fact that this human that shows up, you know, Chihiro, who shows up, who's lost, who's afraid, who, who you know, he doesn't just scold her. He puts her to work. He makes her, you know, finish what she does. And and then he, he flat out says, well, if you want to work here, if you want to stay here, if you want to find your parents... You are going to have to find a job. You're going to have to talk to Yubaba. You're going to have to talk to the witch that runs the baths and get a job. And he's just like, I'm putting my neck on the line for you. I'll help you, though. And and then he finds out that it's truly a worthwhile thing to help her. And and Chihiro fulfills every every inch of the the hope that he could have had for her at that point so and, and as they go along and not just in her treatment of the uh the the little dust mites who ended up being the workers but in in Lin and in uh, uh Haku who ends up being you know his own flawed character not just a dragon but a uh a, a 
we end up, spoiler, 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 we end up finding out that he and himself is a river spirit who is lost. And he's not just a river spirit that is lost. He's a river spirit that at one point saved our heroine, Chihiro, from drowning. But he can no longer get back to his river because they paved over his river. They paved it over. And so he is a... He is the ultimately displaced spirit at this point. And, and you know, Kamaji and Haku and, and Lin, in this case, they all recognize their own flaws and they recognize the, the beauty in this character that is Chihiro. And it, it's hilarious because, you know, you were saying, Ben, you were saying that the Lin character appeared to be human. My gut on all of those characters that appear to be human, they're not human. They're all amphibian characters. Or they're all of... frogish characters. But they have human qualities about them. She was the only one that I thought looked kind of human. The other ones were more, like you said, almost toad-slash-frog-like, like combined with uh, a human. Very much so. Very much so. Especially with the way their uh, their noses were laid out. Oh, their yeah, lips as yeah, well. yeah. Their noses and their mouths and everything else. And, and, okay, all right. Okay, did you notice the character? Okay, when when Chihiro got onto the elevator and was going up to see Yubaba for the first time, the character, the gigantic naked-ish character that she got into the elevator. Oh, with, the radish spirit. The radish spirit. Thank you very much. Did you ever notice in the background whenever they were celebrating that the Radish Spirit had a specific dance? No, I, I didn't. didn't I noticed he was in the shot, like when the River Spirit's flying away, and they're all like, "Yeah, we're going to have to, for everyone." Mm-hmm. You are going to have to go back and watch this again, and watch for the Radish Spirit in the background, because my daughter Sophia loves the Radish Spirit and will do the Radish Spirit dance. <laughs> and it is hysterical because it is spot uh There it is. I brought it up on the laptop. Yeah, the Radish Spirit dance. That's awesome. Radish Spirit dance. The Radish Spirit and must hit the gym pretty she, regularly, let me tell you. When, yeah. she saw the, iron. when she saw that the first time, she was like, oh. I am so gonna dance like that. Struck and a she chord. Just, she just it just struck a chord, and she started dancing like the Radish Spirit, and it was just hilarious. Whenever we do our happy dance around the house, oh yeah, it's the Radish Spirit dance. We just throw our arms in the air like we jump. <laughs> wow, that is so disturbing, Ben. Ben, I smell a Halloween costume. Oh, yes. So much so, Halloween costume. Oh, yes. That's great. I think I was most captivated, especially visually, the last 20 minutes when she gets the train ticket. Oh, was that, that not a beautiful sequence? Just There were so many things that weren't necessary to like perpetuate the story, but, you know, like the water that was just barely covering the train tracks, and, you know, she could only get a ride so far. Um, and then she had a walk, walk by foot. And it's just this incredible, like, I, I don't know, I guess, journey of self-discovery, like the very home stretch, you know, it's like she's had help. She's had all this interaction from side characters and main characters. And now it's that classic, like, this is as far as we can go. The rest you must do on your own. Absolutely. 
you know, and you've seen Absolutely. that portrayed in so many other, you know, live action or animation or, you know, a lot of times it's the, the coming of age, which this is that on a scale, but so much more than that. I like, so she goes to the ranch. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say I loved uh, Inside the Train or Monorail, whatever you want to call it, too, um, the way that they drew the spirits as with human outlines as a good transition from those first spirits yeah. that I was talking about where they're very vaguely shaped. It's almost like she's getting closer and closer to you, mm-hmm. what, what you might call the physical world. And I thought that was a really great touch. That's yeah, that's ab- absolutely true. There's, they're still spirits and there's still shadows, but they're obviously in human form. You know, some of them even have hats as a little cue so that, you know, yes, you're getting closer. And there's almost a 10 minute stretch in there where there's no dialogue at all. It is just the music. It is just them sitting on the train. It is just this beautiful sequence of them getting to Zaniba's hut mm-hmm. and and discovering this this other this other witch who could help her and help her friends who it, it ultimately they had already been helped but it it just it was just gorgeous it yeah. was just plain beautiful and and this is a this is a characteristic of Miyazaki if you've ever watched any of his films he has these sequences that that seem out of place at first they seem a little disjointed they seem like they're just kind of thrown in but in the grand scheme of the story, without them, the story is that much less. Without them, the story becomes hollow. It lacks heart. It lacks meaning. And, and I think this journey, as you described it then, Jimmy, becomes not just a coming of age, but it is, it is, it's a turning point in Chihiro's life. It's a turning point in how she views who she is and how she's going to about go about getting her parents. I mean, truly, one of the themes that pervades this film is the theme of love conquers all. And that's what she's about. She's about the love of her parents and the love of those around her. She is she appears originally as being this whiny little brat in the back of a car. But ends up being one of the most selfless characters I've ever seen on film. She helps everyone. Right. Everyone. It doesn't matter who it is. She just jumps in and helps and and truly becomes endeared to those around her. She's very virtuous. She kind of really exemplifies that, like, pure innocence of of children and they there's, uh, like, four, four or so scenes that I can think of where they really – push that on you like when her parents start uh, gorging on the food oh, she's like we hilarious. have to pay for this right. we can't eat yeah. it and, the, and the, the father's like well daddy's here I got credit cards I'm I've okay. got credit yeah. cards and cash I wasn't really crazy about the parents at all I kind of they're thought just, maybe they would they're just like stock they're, characters yeah they're just these ridiculous these ridiculous hey we have to put them in sort of characters just they were a vehicle to get her to to this place where she was going to do all of her growing you yeah. know and, and 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 the fact of the matter is is that when she tries to help her parents ultimately and Yubaba plays the the ultimate trick on her again spoiler i mean her parents are nowhere near where she would be it's just it, it's just a test of whether that she can recognize that 
are these your parents, which they were turned into pigs originally, but are the they pig- your parents? What's that? I was going to say, I loved when um, they first turned into pigs and they were still in their clothes and they were like feasting and there was like this ghost arm oh, hitting the father pig water. in the face with a fly squad. It was like, yeah, yeah, quack, yeah. quack, quack, quack. And it didn't really stop him. In case no, you don't get it, those at eating. home. Yeah. No, it was hilarious. But again, but it comes down to, is she going to be able to recognize her parents? And it has nothing to do with their visual appearance. It has nothing to do with what they look like. It has everything to do with how she feels. It's what's in her heart. And that makes all the difference. She realizes they're not there. She says so. And then she is freed from Yubaba's spell. And the one of the funniest parts is that the the, the giant baby all along who doesn't say a word to Yubaba but talks to Chihiro is is just defending Chihiro left and like left and right i she the this i don't know was it a boy or a girl what do you boy. Think? do you think it was a boy well, I was guess the baby's, the baby's name, name bo bo yeah b o u b o u okay it sounded like a boy at the end when he was like i'll not like you anymore yeah. i'm just going to i'm not gonna, i'm going to be mad at you yeah, right? yeah. i mean you know uh, I won't if you hurt if you hurt Sen, I won't like you anymore or whatever mm-hmm. it was to Yubaba and and <laughs> she was like you're standing when did that happen <laughs> it was one of those they grow up so wait fast. a minute I know right and this thing is like you know eight feet nine feet tall I mean so you have to think but uh, but anyway I I just thought it was amazing to me that at that point. <laughs> The baby is the one that's defending Chihiro. Mm-hmm. And not just the baby, but there was also that freaky bird thing that had Yubaba's face. And, yeah, <laughs> the U-bird. There it is. Yeah, the U-bird. And, and all the U-bird did was, well, he was just just weird. Yeah, there's but, a lot of side characters that were just kind of filler for, like, Comic maybe the— relief. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the U-bird— uh, the baby the and heads. the bouncing heads were all kind of they were all kind of comic relief now now no face no face was not comic relief no no face served a true purpose in the story and I think that without no face uh Chihiro wouldn't have grown nearly as much as a character throughout the whole thing so yeah and the and you really wouldn't have that moral you know because one of the morals is that uh, no face can produce endless riches, but the only person in the whole bathhouse who's really resisting them is Chihiro slash Sen, you know, because she's more worried about, in different instances, her friends, you know, like there's the scene where um, w- before the chase with uh, no face, or I should say when no face is about to chase uh, Chihiro through the entire bathhouse, she's more concerned with Haku, who's, you know, flown into the bathhouse and he's dying like he's bleeding he's been chased he's, by these weird paper he, birds yeah well not just not just that but he 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 truly seems to be not just injured but as you said ben he seems to be dying and he seems to be dying from the inside out and and kamaji recognizes that what's happening to him is that he has ingested some sort of evil magic or something and Without even any thought whatsoever, Chihiro gives Haku this part of this medicine or whatever, this spell that the river spirit gave her. And and he coughs, coughs up not just Zeniba's magic seal or whatever, but this slug 
that apparently was the root of what was causing him so much illness. And the, all she does is step on it. Mm-hmm. She just stomps it. And that is that. And, and And you would think in the true tradition of films that there would be this huge battle or something like that. But no, it's it's simple. And and Kamaji explains it to, to, to Lynn as it's being love. True, pure, simple love is the reason that Chihiro can get away with this and heal uh, Haku in such a way. So. And I think, too, the... The main action or the height of action takes place before the resolution, which we've uh, talked about the scene where uh, No-Face is chasing Shihiro through the bathhouse. And then, you know, before that, we also have Haku swooping in as a dragon being chased by, chased by these strange-looking, right. almost paper birds. Yeah, that, that was... And then uh, Chihiro comes out, and she's on the outside of the bathhouse. She's at a really high height, and she's running on this drain pipe, which so severs hysterical. from the building, and then she jumps onto so another roof. Hysterical. And then uh, Zaniba shows up, and that's kind of like the, the climax of the action. And then after that, it winds down and resolves into uh, some of the elements we've talked about, like the test with her picking out her parents was actually aren't there, and, you know, the trip with the train, and all of those things. Well, the, in the little bit at the end with Zaniba, Zaniba and her cottage, where they're... they're the the baby who is still transformed into a rat creature and and the the bird that is still transformed into this fly creature who's watching this little rat creature it, it's like they're still going through a test at that point where she's knitting this this hair tie that is made from the threads that her friends have wore, woven and therefore because it is made from their love for her, they will literally be that much – she will literally be that much more protected. And it's this magic of love and understanding and and all of these things that you just don't expect this movie to be about, which it eventually becomes about. And I, I – again, I've spent a lot of time watching this movie. I've spent a lot of time thinking about this movie. My students and I, we've talked about this movie ad nauseum. My daughter and I, oh, again, this is one of her favorite movies on the planet. And she just, at least once a month, she'll throw it in and just watch it just for giggles. And and I got to watch it with her because it is so wonderful. It is so wonderful. And it it just makes so much sense to me as a film. And a good role model for girls everywhere. Oh, geez, yeah. Chihiro is awesome. Although I will say, I think my favorite character was probably No-Face because he just seemed like... I say he, uh, he, he, just, he seemed like he had such a cursed nature that he would have this gold just, sh- you know, shooting out of his hands. And uh, any time that, you know, he said, excuse me, but there, it seemed like any time that he made a noise, it was this almost like desperate, lonely female, like, huh? Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. when but he was asked. But if you think about it, though, if you think about it at the end, when when Yubaba has the piles of the gold that were brought from him, mm-hmm. it all turns to dirt. Yeah. And so it's all a false face, just mm-hmm. like his mask that he's wearing is this false face. It's all false. Nothing that he produces or creates is real, except... For the feelings that he has for Chihiro and, in turn, Chihiro for him at the end. 
Yubab, or excuse me, Zaniba, Yubaba's twin, was like, no face, you need to stay with me. You're actually pretty handy. You need to stay around. And the minute he achieves or it achieves any sort of stability, it gloms on to it. Like it's it's the best thing that's ever happened to it. Mm -hmm. All throughout, all it does is give to those who are going to take, take, take from him. And I think that's the... The reason why the character's name is No Face is because it has no personality of its own other than this need to provide for others. And when he sees somebody who's in need, he offers. And if they take, 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 then he attacks or then he assumes the personality. But if it's something, somebody as pure of spirit as Chihiro, he doesn't just take. He he provides a true assistance at that point. Mm -hmm. And I think that, again, Chihiro is the only one of the entire group who took anything from him or or it, if you wish. And and therefore or or, or with a pure heart only was the only one who took anything from it. And and there that's why she didn't get eaten. He didn't molest her. And the entire time, all it wanted was her. I want Sen. Bring me Sen. I need Sen. And that was because she was a true spirit. Mm -hmm. Not somebody who wanted anything from her, but somebody who would see it for what it was and would help it. And that's what she does in the end. So this film got 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. That is outrageous. Makes me happy. That just warms my insides oh it just makes me feel so good right so a couple things that i was thinking about that that i i don't i did a little bit of reading before i watched this i did a little bit of reading after i watched this she works at a bathhouse we all know what a, a bathhouse is and the negative connotations and the historical you know uh whatever behind what a bathhouse is she changes her name uh but and i you know so, so a lot of critics will say that this is a symbol for the problem of uh, child prostitution, and the most Miyazaki has ever said on it was that, yes, this is a problem in Japan, and that's it. This film, I guess the girl was actually based on a real character, a friend of Miyazaki's. Oh, And uh, I watched this video that was location scouting, and most of those places were based on... Reality? Actual, yeah, which is, which is really... That's kind of creepy and kind of fun all at the same time. Really according, neat. According to my Google search, somebody recreated the most of the landscape in Minecraft yeah. of this film. Oh, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, that's, well, that's which makes not sense. unbelievable. I mean... That kid should probably call his mother. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think it was a duo, according to what I read. God, I wow. hope so. Well, I was going to say, too, one thing I was thinking about, and this, this thought struck me today after I watched the film for the second time, when the spirits are in their world, they kind of forget who they were in the physical world. Now, Chihiro obviously learned lessons when she was in the spirit world, but do you think she'll forget what actually happened when she was in this realm? I want to think not. I don't think, I think she will. that takes away some of the some of the power that the film has. Oh, I mean, she'll learn she'll learn from it, but I mean like will she have the actual memories is what I'm saying. Like she she'll has, be a, a, an I improved think person. That the, the hair tie that's made at the end with her friends in Zaniba's house. I think that hair tie will be a uh, a conduit or a or a way for her to connect with the time she spent in the spirit world 
and and no, I don't think she'll forget. She'll never forget Lynn. She'll never forget you, Baba. She definitely won't forget No Face or the baby. I think that it and out outrageously, she will not forget Haku because there could quote unquote be an uh, uh, almost a love interest there if you wanted to go that far with it. But it's not. It's it's pure childhood friendship. It's 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 not romanticized in any way, shape, or form. It just is what it is. But I think that that hair tie that she created will help her maintain a a foothold or at least a, an idea of that time that she spent. And so, no, I don't think she'll forget. And where I was going with this, too, outside of getting your thoughts was, I don't think it'll ever happen, but, man, it would be great to see a sequel to this where she's older to see how things have changed. I would love to see that. And I don't usually say that about movies that I think are great, but this is one of those ones where the world is so vivid and you want to get to know more about like every single character who appears on screen, whether they're minor or major. And I don't even know if whatever happened. It probably won't. It's just me dreaming out loud. I would like to see her child come back. I would like to see it. Oh, that'd be interesting. I would like to see Chihiro's, you know, 12 year old kid. And and have Chihiro consciously bring her to the spot where this abandoned amusement park is, you know, consciously say, OK, we're coming here. Let's just see what happens. And and that's where I think that the beauty of Miyazaki is, is that he could do something with that particular storyline and not make it seemed seem, uh, uh, uh you know, already done or hackneyed or, or, you know, stale or anything else. I think he could revitalize it and, and make this new story with her child and and make it beautiful and wonderful. Now, it'll never match the the original. I just don't think it will. I mean, it, it he had lightning in a bottle with this story. Uh, it, it just but again, I don't think, Ben, you're wrong. I think that would be cool to see them come back to this this world in particular, because He's created so many great worlds. Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind. Holy, that's a whole series of movies if you really wanted to do that. And and um, Howl's Moving Castle, there's another whole series of movies or stories with this character Howl. I mean, there are just it, – it, his worlds that he creates are so vivid and so beautiful and so real that you can't help but get sucked in and want to be a part of them and want to know more about them. And Spirited Away is no different. No different from those. Well, I'd like to bring us all to fanfiction.net for Spirited Away 2, Return to no. the Spirit World. No. Chapter 1, 12 long years later. Oh, no. Yeah. You know, there's no way that a movie like this, even though we mentioned Neil Gaiman and and movies that are fantasy worlds like Dark Crystal, which is far too disturbing. Um, not <laughs> that movie is not for kids. There's no, no. way that they could make. Uh, there's no way they could make a live action version of Spirited Away. <laughs> and then I was thinking about the what you were saying with the sequel, and it'd be such a slippery slope because you know everybody, you know all these studios remember how much money it raked in so all these studios are going to want a part of it and they're going to say well we're going to we want to produce the whole thing but we want it to be more on this end and it's it's such a sacred ground with what they covered i mean there's so much great potential for a sequel but it would be so tragic i think it would almost be better if they had a sequel and they left out the words spirited and away oh gee oh they would have to i mean because quite frankly you just know 
that people would walk in, and, and I'm guilty of this as well, you'd go into the film with preconceived notions of what it's going to be, and I would be completely devastated. I would be just absolutely crushed by whatever they did as a result of their quote-unquote sequel to this. Did I mention, oh, we've talked about this, but, well, my commentary would be, one, that's just Hollywood being Hollywood, and number two, yeah, they're making a Blade Runner sequel. So, they, I mean, with films, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a sad part. Even if it gets in the hands of somebody who just cares about making money, it's going to happen. They so, can get away with the Blade Runner, I think, though, and still do it justice. I don't know how they would be able to do this particular film justice. I don't know how they could do another film with these characters, with this, and, and still maintain the spirit behind it and, and make it as magical as what it was to begin with. Well, I wouldn't want it to be cutting-edge technology. I mean, I think a no. part of what makes this movie so great is that it's kind of dated by the limits of what they were able to do with uh, with animation, but and yet it's still gorgeous. That's what, yeah, exactly. I mean, they they were relatively primitive in two thousand one, and they were still able to, you know, captivate Ameri- dumb American movie audiences into it captured me, and I was the dumbest of the dumbs. So. Oh, come on now! Oh, please. So we didn't talk about Beetlejuice 2. That's uh, Michael Keaton is uh, signed on for that. No. Yep. And Winona Ryder and Tim Burton is directing. No. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Had to mention it. (laughs) All right. Beetlejuice 2 it is. All right. Fair enough. (laughs) We seem to do a lot of sequel squawking towards the end. Oh, yeah. Well, no. We're at at that hour mark. So, yeah. We're at that hour mark. We're at the hour mark. So let's talk about it. Yeah. Beetlejuice 2. Wow, there are certain films that, mm. if 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 it's personal enough, and they have a reboot or a sequel, you instant. It's like when Across the Universe came out. Beatles fans everywhere either loved it or they hated it. True, and you can understand from you know every Both perspective. perspective. Right now, if you don't do any research, you're gonna hate it. You're gonna write it off, and you know whatever. But it was directed by Julie Taymor, who did all of these you know, Broadway productions, and that she's the biggest Beatles fan in the universe. So, sure, that doesn't mean that it's going to be an awesome movie, but I, I don't know. pretty good. I just, I, I encourage you to do your, your research. You hear a reboot's coming out, a sequel's right. coming out. Look into it a little bit before you write it off. Truly. Except I would be very, very, very skeptical about a sequel to Spirited Away. Grown Ups 2 was phenomenal, though. If you didn't read the novel, you'll probably be left out. <laughs> so it follows the events of the first one. So I, thought it was, I thought it was based on something by Camus, right? Yes, <laughs> yes. It's like an existential very, masterpiece. Very Actually, Miyazaki directed Grown Ups, too, which there you is go. really yeah, weird. Yeah, it, yeah. it just was kind of out there. Yeah. They just cut everything that he did and hired a cheap American director. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, Grown Ups. Grown Ups was supposed to be Spirited Away too, but they kind of took some liberties with it. Yeah, as it in replaced all the, all the characters in any form. It made money, so they're probably going to make a third one. I mean, if we Google it right now, you're you're probably going to see that there's like a Grown Ups three in development. That's just Hollywood being Hollywood. No, yeah. No. I mean, well, I I know you you hate these words because of our last episode, but I mean, there's a greenlit Blair Witch three. What? Like, what are they gonna do? I mean, when after I after I watched what? Spirited Away, coincidentally enough, I was like, man, they need to reshoot this whole thing and put you Baba in there because then it'd be awesome. Oh, and she Blair would just, Witch? Like, terrorize these oh, kids geez, and yeah. 
Like they they stumble on the river and then it takes them to Spirited Away and then they just disappear. An animated Blair Witch Project would be horrible. It couldn't get any worse than what it was originally. What I'm saying Jimmy. is, like, if they had just thrown in a bunch of random crap to make it more entertaining, I would have liked it. Yeah, but they didn't, and that's why, like, that's an like ending. Well, yeah, that's and, and that's the thing. Like, obviously, we're not making a a straight up comparison of these films because they're very no. different. But if you just say, okay, these are films, and in quality, looking at one from the other, like going from almost, uh, I see Blair Witch is kind of like cardboard and flat to where. Uh, Spirited Away is just this whole realm where you can just delve into it, you know, and that's why I was really excited to watch it, you know, just this contrast. Animated films can be so very dangerous when you're talking about adults. They're either campy to the point of ridiculousness or they are are childish or or they just have no appeal for the artistic in in a person. Miyazaki... I don't know what he has done or what star he was born under, but just about every single one of his films is the exact opposite of childish. It It's childlike in spirit, some of them. They are beautiful in spirit, and they have their funny moments, but it's not, it's not childish, and it is truly... Spirited Away is truly a coming-of-age film in the pure sense of the words. And it is it is beautifully done. It, it keeps the right amount of humor with the right amount of seriousness, with the right amount of just breathtaking scenery and everything else. You just don't know what's going to happen next. And, and I, I just... I hope, I hope, I hope he continues to make movies. Okay, what are we what are we watching for next week, Ben? Isn't it yours again or is it no, Jimmy's? No, it's Jimmy's. Jimmy's. What is- so next week we are going to be doing Death Proof. I think we can all agree that we really liked Spirited Away. It totally floored me um, and has kind of turned me on to watching more films like this. Miyazaki's brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant. And he's one of the most self-effacing men you've ever seen And in, a, in interviews. He is just humble and, and wonderful and endearing there are very few filmmakers there are very few films out there that i would get this way about miyazaki films are those benjamin benjamin and speaking of contrast too uh i've been rereading stephen king's dark tower series and i think what really appeals to me most no matter what the medium is uh pure storytelling and i think that's the main reason why I love Stephen King as an author because he conveys these great ideas and he moves the story along too, even though his language isn't the most beautiful. What gets to me is the story and the ideas. And applying that to film, like um, Spirited Away is such a vivid film and you could get lost in just the visual, excuse me, visuals, but the story itself is so great that even if the visuals weren't so stunning, I would probably say this is a great film anyway. If like it was vivid, um, with just a couple scenes, you know, maybe mediocre overall for the visuals. But like I said, I'm just more into the pure storytelling when it comes to films. And I think that's the core element that was portrayed here. Uh, the characters were great. Um, 
And I think after this, we're all going to do the Radish Spirit dance. So, you can find all of our past episodes at movieshowtheater.com. Please get a hold of us. Let us know if there's a movie you want us to do, or if there's something that we missed, let us know. Uh, you can find the Movie Show Theater Facebook, and you can also leave a comment on the WAZU Facebook. Lots of ways to get a hold of us. So, until next Tuesday, I'm Jimmy Malone. I'm Stuart Randolph. I'm Ben Snowden. And this is Movie Show Theater. Theater.